Our scripture passage today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. Hear God's holy and authoritative word. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also, and you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. The grass withers and the flower fades. You may be seated. As we come to God's word, we need his help, so let us begin with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your spirit can illuminate it to our hearts. We pray that he would do that now, that it might change us, that we might see Christ. May it have its full work in our lives, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we're continuing through our sermon series in John's Gospel, and if you remember where we're at, Jesus is having the Last Supper with his disciples, and he's been showing them his great love. Beginning of chapter 13, he washed their feet. Last week, he gave them a new commandment to love one another as he has loved them. He's also been telling them that there is a betrayer in their midst. We find out from some inside information from John, of course, that that's Judas, and yet most of the disciples aren't aware of that fact yet. But Jesus has been talking to his disciples over and over again about his coming departure, and it has caused them great anxiety. The opening of our verse here today, verse 1, says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. If you think about this scene, you have all of Jesus' closest followers gathered together, and they hear about Jesus saying he's going to leave, that there's this betrayer. Jesus himself, we're told, is troubled in his spirit. And so this scene is one in which there is a high level of anxiety in the room. 
We live in very anxious times, not only because of the pandemic and the unrest in our society, but in general, if you just look at the statistics, we live in a very anxious age. There's a never-ending barrage of messages and news stories and all of the things that are ever before us that cause us great anxiety. They cause our hearts to be troubled. And at the end of our scene from last week, Peter is told that he will betray Jesus three times. So if you think these disciples are wondering what's going to happen, where are you going, Jesus? Why is Jesus upset? Of course, we know Jesus is beginning to feel the weight of what is going to happen in the coming day when he is beaten and whipped and spat upon and ultimately crucified. Not to mention betrayed by one of his closest followers and denied by Peter And so Peter, the one who you would expect to be one of the faithful few in the inner circle, even within this group, is told that he will betray Jesus three times. And you can think before we get to our passage, there might be this pregnant pause. What is going on? What are we to do? Their hearts are troubled, and Jesus wants to give them comfort, reminding them of where he is going, how they will get there, and that actually it is going to be for their good. It will be better than when he was there with them. They have anxiety because Jesus is leaving And we see part of what's going on here, and you think of Jesus and all of the troubles in his mind and in his heart, and yet if there was ever a time for Jesus to be self-loathing, to care about his own needs, it would have been now. Judas had just left to go betray him. The next thing that's going to happen is not good. Jesus knows what's going to happen, and yet instead of being self-consumed, he turns to comfort his disciples. And he gives them this word of encouragement. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Jesus is pointing them to himself. I I think about those war movies where somebody is wounded and they are beginning to freak out about what's going to happen next. And they're just beginning to spout off all sorts of things that they're worried about dying, right? They're just... In this panic, and the other soldier grabs him and says, Look at me. Jesus is telling his disciples, Look at me. Believe in me. Believe what I'm going to tell you. I know you are anxious. Just look at me. Jesus goes on to tell his disciples where he is going. Verse 2 through verse 4. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also, and you know the way to where I am going. 
What a beautiful picture of what lies before these disciples to anticipate that they are going to go and live in the Father's house. Now, if you think about uh, this imagery here, uh, perhaps you might even have a Bible that has a translation that says, instead of rooms, it says mansions. There's a reason why that kind of made its way in through kind of the King James Bible. But really, it just means a place to dwell. And in the ancient world, as your son would perhaps go and get married, you wouldn't necessarily move off to somewhere far away, the other side of town. You would add on to your home. And the family would live together in the Father's house. Now, we don't do that in our time, but that's the imagery that Jesus is pointing to here, that there is a house, his Father's house. Of course, this is an image of heaven, that where God dwells, there is room for his disciples. There is room for his people. And not only that, Jesus is the one who's preparing them. And this great promise that even though I'm leaving, if I'm going to prepare a room for you, will I not come back and get you and bring you to that place so that where I am, you may be also? This is the great hope of the Christian life, is it not? That we will dwell in God's presence forever. Think of this imagery of somebody preparing a room first thing that comes to mind is perhaps when you have a young baby born and before they're able to come home or as you're waiting for them to be born you are beginning to prepare a room setting up this nursery buying the furniture putting their name up on the wall Jesus is preparing a place a specific place for each and every one of the people that belong to him. Not some generic room where we all just kind of grab a cot and find a place on the ground to lay. But there are many rooms and he is preparing a specific one for each of his people so that they can dwell with him. He is indeed leaving, but he is going to do the preparatory work necessary for them to dwell in the house of God. Jesus ends that imagery by saying, you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. We don't know where the Father's house is. How are we going to know the way? Oftentimes, the disciples, they just don't get it. Is he talking about his actual father? Are they going to Joseph's house? I don't know what Thomas is thinking here. But he's got questions. He wants tangible evidence. He wants to know specific details about how they will get there. And then we come to the verse you probably all know quite well. If you have any familiarity with John's gospel, perhaps the most popular verse in our gospel aside from John 3:16 I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me I am the way and the truth and the life 
Jesus is the one who is going to make the way. Jesus is the one who will be the details, the things we need to know to get there. Jesus is the one who is going to give life so that we can live with him forever. Put it another way, to go back to what Jesus has already said, look at me. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in me. We don't know the way, Jesus. Believe in me. One commentator said it this way in a summary of this verse. Without a way, there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. And without the life, there is no living. Jesus is going to cause us to know the way. He is the way. He is the knowing. He is the living. Through him we have these things. He is answering this question by pointing again to himself. But Jesus makes this claim at the end, which something we've likely heard before. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's an exclusive claim, is it not? That the Father has a house, if that's an image of heaven, that there is only one way to get there, that there is only one person preparing the rooms, that there is only one way. There is only one truth. There is only one life. Of course, that's not a popular idea in our society today. Perhaps you're familiar with the, you know, the mantra you might hear on Oprah Winfrey. God is like a mountain, and there's many paths to get to him. You don't need to be concerned about the way. You don't need to know the truth. We can all have life on our own. Jesus couldn't say anything more different. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. There is no source for these things outside of him. When we think about Jesus preparing a house, perhaps they have in mind here his carpentry background. He's going to go build us a nice addition to the Father's house for us to live in. And we even talked about making a nursery, you know, or you're going to go on vacation and stay in an Airbnb and they're going to prepare it for you, fill up the Keurig container, fluff the pillows, wash the sheets. But the reason Jesus says no one can come to the Father except through me is because the preparation that Jesus is going to do Only he has done it. And it's not merely fluffing the sheets. Jesus, as he is leaving the disciples, is not just going to prepare a place. He is going to make the way. And the way in which he is going to prepare the place is through his death. No one else has the key to the house No one else can forgive sins. No one else can testify to the truth because they have not 
come in the flesh, God's very own Son, paying the price for sinners, so that those who are in Him, He can say they are forgiven, come into my house. We confess our sins each week here as a reminder that we only have standing before God because of what Christ has done for us. There is no other mediator. There is no other priest. There is no other sacrifice that can allow us to draw near to a perfect, holy, and righteous God. Philosophers and other religions may have good ideas, may help you have a more successful life. But they do not have the keys to the Father's house. They are not seated at his right hand. They have not paid for your sins in their body. This is why Christ is the only way, the only truth, and the only one who can give life. Because it's through his death and his resurrection that we can even have it. Jesus goes on to describe uh, who he is and his relation to the Father. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And another disciple chimes in. Lord, show us the father. And it is enough for us. Just give us some more encouragement. Show us another sign. Uh, Open up heaven so that we might see the father. Jesus tenderly corrects Philip, have I not been with you so long? And yet you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Who can, how can you say, show me the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. How many times has Jesus made this point over and over to his disciples that the works he is doing are not his works, but the works that the one who sent him has commanded him to do? And Jesus answers his question the same way he answers Thomas's question, and the same way he answers the anxiety of their hearts. Show us the Father, Jesus. Look at me. So often we want to look to something else. We want to find another way, another truth, another source of life. We want to have answers and special insights into things that are not revealed to us. We want other remedies for our anxieties. We want to uh, feel safe and secure by grabbing on to other things. And over and over again, Jesus has this simple message to you and to me, to his disciples here. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Look to me. And this great promise that's perhaps difficult for us to understand, ends this passage. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do. Why? 
because I am going to the Father. So we should go out and raise people from the dead and break bread and defeat thousands of people, right? Now, I don't think that's what Jesus is getting at here. Indeed, his disciples do go out and do many miraculous things as the Holy Spirit is at work in them as they go and testify to the risen Lord. They see great miracles, but arguably... They don't seem any greater than those in terms of their miraculous nature than what Jesus did. So what does Jesus mean that we will do the same works as him? In fact, they will do greater works. Jesus lived. We talk about it this way. Sounds a bit weird thinking about it as Jesus. Jesus lived before the cross. Right? Jesus lives in the inauguration of the new covenant. He has come to a people that have rejected him. The very people that God had called to himself, this people of Israel, have rejected the coming of the Son of God. But Jesus didn't just come, do some work for a couple of years, die. And moved on. No, Jesus' death and resurrection is so significant that it changes everything. Jesus inaugurates the coming of the new covenant when God will do far greater works than the works he had ever done before. And Jesus lived in that in between time as the one who is ushering in this new covenant. Before, when people wanted to come and draw near to God, they found a priest or a temple. They found a synagogue. They offered sacrifices and gave gifts. They followed dietary laws. But Jesus says, now I am going to the Father. He's our advocate, our mediator. He is standing next to God, interceding for you and for me. The ushering in of the new covenant, the, the ability for us to have access to the Father, his hearing of our requests and answering and bringing glory to the Father because of the Son. These are the greater works that we see. We see not just this people of Israel being saved over here in this small part of the world, but instead we see the Holy Spirit being poured out onto all flesh. God's Spirit dwelling in his people. Those who are far off, who didn't even know about the God of Israel being brought in. Not as a lowly servant watching from the outside of the temple, but having a high priest in the very presence of God, full access. This is why they can have comfort. 
They want to be comforted by Jesus staying with them, right? They spent three years with Jesus staying with them, telling them, teaching them, showing them everything that they wanted to know about him and the scriptures and what God was doing. And yet Jesus says, it's going to be greater when I'm with my father. Because though he is leaving them in body, he is not leaving them as orphans. And indeed, the same spirit at work in Christ and in his resurrection is going to be poured out on his disciples. In fact, that's where we go in our next passage. As we get to it next week, this promise of the Spirit to come and be our helper. But as we look at this passage, we've talked a lot about anxieties and looking to Jesus, but what application do we have for our lives? What are the things that we ought to take away you ever do an inductive Bible study, it's a method in which you go through and you make observations about a text. When one of the first things you should do is circle any repeated words. We have a repeated word here many, many, many times. In fact, it's pretty unique to this part of John's gospel. It's probably the most uh, numerous place in all of the Bible that speaks about God being the Father. We don't want to miss this. God is our Father. We will live in our Father's house. We are His children as we are made new by the Spirit. When we have troubled hearts, when we are full of anxiety, when we don't know the way, when we doubt the truth, when we feel like our life is in peril, Jesus tells us to look to him because he is there with our Father. Like a scared child runs to their father. So we have been brought near to God, our Father, who loves us like his dear children, who has a special place in his house for you. By sending his Son, has done all of the work for us. He has made the way. He has proclaimed to us the truth. He has given us his life. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus in the midst of our troubled hearts. May we look to him in our times of despair. May we believe and trust as he stands and makes intercession for us. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that Christ has prepared a place for us and he promises to bring us to it. Lord, it's an unthinkable thought that we can call you our Father, the maker of heaven and earth, 
perfect, righteous, holy. And yet you love us as children. Help us to find comfort. Help us to look to Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.